0: This is Omar Ahmed for IFL TV and Association of MTK Global with the MTK Global Golden Contracts. Live on Sky Sports tonight at the Brentwood Centre. What do you make of the uh, format, JB?
1: Um, first of all, good evening everyone. Good afternoon, good morning, whenever you watch this. Um, good tournament, man. Some very good fighters in here. Um, some good names, good... good um, I wouldn't say prospects. These are good fighters, man. So I've, I've come to watch um, as a fan of the sport and um, just to support a few of the fighters on here.
0: What do you make of uh, MTK putting these shows on Sky Sports? It's a, it's a massive thing because relatively still new in the game. Um, yeah, what do you make of it?
1: It's almost good, man. Um, giving opportunities to other boxers, um, those that man may not have the opportunities that others do. So I'm all in for that, man. If anyone's supporting and giving opportunities to people that may not have certain opportunities, that you know, if you box for the country or if you are national champion, things like that, I'm all in for that. So um, it's all good, man. And like I said, I'm here to support and to watch.
0: How's life been since uh, the Ryan Ford fight?
1: It's been good, man. Can't complain. Every, every day I feel blessed, man. Um, learning more, more, obses- more obsessed about the sport, how I can better myself. Um, and growing as a person as well, man. You know, the sport is the sport, but as a person it's good to grow and to, to progress and um, to develop more. So I'm enjoying that part of life as well.
0: Actually, before we leave the topic or the golden contract, there's a certain name uh, in Jose Burton. There were rumours of a fight between you two potentially happening um, can you talk to me about what happened in that situation? Did you guys make an offer to that?
1: It's simple, it didn't happen. Um, I mean, if it did, I would have fought him. Um, but i vacated the belt, so I don't even have the British title anymore. Um, I've actually brought it in today to, to hand it over. But um, listen, he's boxing tonight and I wish him well. I wish him all the best.
0: OK, I do want to ask about uh, your good pal, Anthony Joshua, and uh, obviously you fight under AJ Boxing. What did you make of his win against Andy Ruiz? Was that his best performance in his career so far?
1: Um, I think he probably said the Klitschko about Big up, my man. All the best tonight, yeah? Yeah. Cool, man. I think he probably said that um, the fight with Klitschko was the better one. My man, unlucky, man, yeah? Big up. Cool, man.
0: That was the better one, but he was kind of faultless in that Ruiz fight, so he got dropped, obviously, against Vlad.
1: Faultless, man. Um, Came out, I think, I felt he boxed the way that no one anticipated was going to happen. So um, credit to him, man. Listen, it, it, it was all about winning. However it came, he had to, and he did. Man, respect, man. Congratulations, yeah, man. Congratulations, call, man. Um, so you had to find a way to win, and you found it to win. So big respect to him, man. Um, the whole nation was dependent on that. The whole world was dependent on that. So um, for me and for everyone else, so we want to congratulate him. And like I said, man, we're happy you won.
0: You're right in saying we didn't know if Anthony had that in him. I'm sure you, you might have because you, you spend all, a lot of time around him, but from the sort of wider audience, we didn't know. But were you impressed with his discipline? Especially when they got close, he'd kind of reset and go again.
1: It was a disciplined performance. It's one thing saying you're going to box for 12 rounds, and there's another thing, yeah, the belt collector. I've got it, I've got it, don't worry, I've got Cool, cool, I've got it, I've got it. <laughs> so I was trying to serve this guy all day. But um, <laughs> but no, listen, it's one thing saying you're going to box for 12 rounds, and it's another thing, actually sticking to boxing for twelve rounds. So, um, a game plan that no one expected. And um, once again, man, he did what a champion had to do, which was to win. So, uh, win at all costs, and that's what he did.
0: As impressive as he was, a lot of people weren't impressed with Andy Ruiz in terms of the weight he came in and some of the comments he made after the fight. That uh, he partied a lot and didn't really train, didn't really train for the fight. Um, what do you make of his comments and his weight?
1: Um, I, I haven't even read it or kept up to um, up to date with him, but. He basically Uh,
0: said he didn't train for the fight. Whether that's an excuse, whether that happened, I don't know. Yeah,
1: they say, if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. Um, Prepare to, what's the quote?
0: (laughs) If you fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So um, that's what happened to him. But listen, man, he he won the first fight. Credit to him, respect to him and his team, man. The second fight didn't go his way. If the fight a third time, it would be a good fight. But um, respect to him, and he's made history. He's the first Mexican heavyweight. That you can't take away from him.
0: Uh, I do want to ask about Lawrence Nakoli as well. We expect him to have a world title shot next year. I mean, the the pace he's moving at, both of you, but he's fighting for a world title already. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, again, your good man, Lawrence. Uh, fighting for a world title next year.
1: Um, I feel that he's clocked that there's an opportunity there, an opponent that he feels he's more than capable of beating. Um, his team feel the same way, so it's like, why not? Why not go for it? Um, and Ricoli, whoever, I'm not sure who, who the guys that he's fighting, but if they've all agreed to it, I'm sure he'll win, man deceiving fighter Lawrence from the outside you might think, oh, it looks tricky but when you're in there it's even trickier and he's got a massive right hand when he la- you don't see it come. that's the thing so um, I'm sure Lawrence and his team will prepare accordingly and they'll get the win, man
0: It would be huge for UK if he bags a belt up so soon. I don't think you're too far off though, are you?
1: I feel I'm getting there as on, as in how far I am from it, I wouldn't I'm not too sure, man For me, I just need to win my next fight, no matter who it is Um, the fight with... um. Blake Caporello, I think his name is. That didn't work out in November. Um, so I'm sure my next fight will probably still be another world title eliminator. So we're creeping up as well, man. We're getting the front foot in, um, and when it's time, we'll land the right hand.
0: Can we expect to see you out sort of February, March time next year, early on? Yeah. Yeah, about
1: that time. Not not 100% sure when, but I'm going away to see my mum in Ghana, the motherland, and um, spend some time with her. Come back and and I'll be back in training. Taking over as always, but. The real training will start when I come back into England.
0: Okay, uh, Josh, just lastly, I know you're someone who, who looks up to God a lot. I see your, your social media posts, etc. Um Obviously Christmas is coming up, time of joy for most people, but there are people who don't have family around them or, or friends and just want you to kind of give a, a message to anyone who might be struggling at Christmas, just a, a message of hope or inspiration.
1: For everyone, Merry Christmas. Most importantly, I hope that no one is alone. I'm looking right into the camera. I hope no one's home alone. If you are, reach out to someone near you. And for those of us that have the privilege and that are blessed with food, family, friends all around us, invite someone. Whoever you feel is lonely or alone, invite them, man. Think hard about it because you're having a good time. But there's someone that you know that's going to be alone and we don't want that to happen. So reach out to someone, invite someone and be a friend to someone, be a brother, be a sister, be a parent. A dad, an uncle, whatever it is, be that to someone and invite them in. Draw them in. I've got a big family, so when I'm celebrating Christmas, I'll make sure anyone that I know that hasn't got that surrounding or that support, we bring them in. So, um, yeah, let's enjoy the moment and the time. But if you can, reach out to someone. It's important and bless someone.
0: Well said, man. Well, enjoy Ghana and uh, Christmas. You, Happy New Year as well. And uh, can't wait to see you uh, uh, in action, whether it's uh, at the O2 or maybe in America. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows, Jamie?
1: Sure. Who knows, man? Respect, man. Thank you very much.
0: God bless you. Thank you very much.
2: Special. Mm-hmm.
3: Cassius, IFL TV, MTK Global, Adam Booth. What's up, mate? Just
4: nearly tripped over that. Oh, cheers.
3: Uh, reaction to uh, a unanimous decision victory for Michael Conlon tonight against the Keaton.
4: He did a good job because you know, it was an easy one for him to get emotional with. But he outboxed him. He outfought him on the inside. He hurt him a couple of times. Uh, and he got a, a big win. And a win that emotionally now he can move on and get to the next level.
3: You were reluctant to kind of talk about, which understandably fights after tonight. He's got tonight out of the way now. Uh, mentally, for him, it was important tonight, wasn't it, to get this kind of out of his system? It's
4: part of his story. So yeah. He's, and he's probably. In- He's probably embellished it a bit too much in his mind's eye. But anyway, that one's out of the way. You can celebrate it. And I'm pretty sure that St. Patrick's Day at Madison Square Garden is screaming at us now for next year.
3: Is he ready for a world title now?
4: No, not yet. No, there's still some...
3: Because a lot of people things. say he is. But...
4: I want to see him add a few more things. I want to see him make little transitions in fights without making some sloppy mistakes. But I do think that tonight there were, with all the emotion involved, and the fact that you know the kings are strong rugged dude that when you go close to him he just he'll punch like a crazy man um i thought Michael did a, an excellent job
3: what kind of opponent will he be fighting in St. Patrick's Day? because i'm assuming kind of
4: don't know we're gonna we're, we're gonna do... we agreed as a team that we wouldn't discuss anything about the next opponent until this was out of the way because there was so much emotional baggage attached to tonight so we haven't but whoever it is we'll find him don't we we'll find him
3: if you were to rate his performance
4: out of 10, what would you give it? Seven and a half, eight, maybe eight, maybe an eight. So there's a lot more to come from Michael Collins. No, absolutely, there is. I mean, actually, you see what he does in the gym. And, and, and the reason why they have these fights is, is to gradually transition from the things they're doing in the gym
1: to fight night under the spotlight with eight ounce gloves and all no hit
4: guard. And I thought tonight he did a few things that he hadn't done before as a pro. Do you think some people still forget that
3: he's not the finished product and they kind of expect more from him?
4: I, don't know. I know he's not the finished product, and so does he. But. You know, with, with his amateur grade and his professional attitude to his fight game, in
0: um, I see him getting
4: a lot better still.
3: Okay.
1: Um, you okay though? Everything alright with you? Sure? Off to Arizona. <coughs> You're going to Arizona when?
4: Josh of Yeah, I know yes. you have.
3: I know. I know. But when are you going? Monday. Monday?
5: European.
3: I've got two shows in England next week. York call and Copper Box.
5: And
3: we've got a show in Kazakhstan on Monday. MCKF.
4: Uh, Umar's going tomorrow. So it's all it's all busy. Safe travels. I don't
3: think I'm going to sp- I don't think I'm going to speak to you before Christmas now. I don't. No, on camera. I mean, I'll obviously be around yours Christmas Day. Would you have me around yours for Christmas Day? Wouldn't you? What if I had nowhere to go?
1: You
3: no, but if I didn't. You did. No, if I had nowhere to yeah. go. Yeah. I'm just yeah. asking a question. <coughs> if I had nowhere to go, would you invite just me around for Bridges what, what? What do you think? Yeah, you would.
4: You definitely would. Uh, Where is he? He's getting stitched. Oh, okay. Oh, Have you got any closing up. words? Any there. message for your He's fans? No, can I'll
2: let you guys go. Special. Whoa! Absolute
5: dynamite. Oh! But um, the real thing out of that fight, does anyone believe that Joshua survives 12 rounds against Deontay's power and speed? Like even if he's boxing well, you have to imagine at some point Deontay's gonna reach him. And then what happens? I don't think it's enough for Joshua to be a safety first fighter. I think you can box responsibly and be a little more aggressive and and impose yourself a little more. Sometimes, the boxer puncher, because he can box, chooses to too much. I think of Cotto Margarito. Of course, Margarito was cheating, but still, Cotto just gave up room, gave up room. When Mosley fought Cotto, he pushed him back sometimes, right? Um, I think of uh, um, better Beevy and Vojt. Fudge Dick was the boxer puncher, looked kind of good early, but better B.F. Be kept putting that pressure on and eventually got him. I think Joshua can box responsibly and carefully and also more aggressively than he did against Ruiz and that may be his best shot against Wilder instead of just trying to avoid the right hand all night because you'd think eventually that right hand is going to land. So you better be doing some damage yourself.
2: Max Is Wilder versus Fury determine the number one heavyweight?
5: Yeah, Wilder Fury's number one, and the lineal champ, and Joshua's his number one contender.
2: Bob, Aaron, Bob Aaron
3: says it. that will not Joshua.
5: The thing about AJ, he was never going to be a guy who never lost and just beat everyone forever. He was always going to be a very dramatic fighter because he has a champion's heart, he's big and strong, he can punch, and he'll make the fights. Like, he will make the fights. People saying Joshua's running on Joshua's going to make those fights. And when you're the money man in the division and you'll make the fights, you're in a great era. So I'm not worried about that. And and by the way, they'll also get up off the deck. Um, so Poulet, like, guys have... But, but he's vulnerable. Guys have chances against AJ. It's one of the reasons he's an interesting fighter. Joshua, Joshua's mandatory is Usyk and also Kalev. How do you see those fights going down? We gotta see what Usyk looks like against Chisora or someone, right? Like, let's see what he looks like at heavyweight. I suspect Usyk's gonna be a good heavyweight. I suspect. But I don't know until we actually... Like, Chaz Witherspoon doesn't count. This isn't, you know, eight years ago. This is now. So... We got to see what he looks like, but I I don't. I don't think they're gonna make that fight right now, Joshua and Usyk. I think if Usyk shows up against Chisora and shows, and he's more or less the same guy he was at cruiserweight. Now think about the heavyweight division: Wilder, Fury, AJ, Ruiz. Just based on the first AJ. By the way, Ruiz also went tooth and nail with Joseph Parker down under and barely lost that fight like for a fat guy he's in boxing shape <laughs> he can move his like he is it's true so so and now Usyk if you add Usyk that's a lot of top heavyweights Dillian White, Dillian White, Dillian White. yeah Dillian White's a good fighter I I I wouldn't say he's like it doesn't mean he can't beat some of those guys but when I think of the top of the division those are the names I think of Fury's the lineal champ he and Wilder got to sort that out AJ is the guy who knocked Klitschko out and became a consensus champion before Ruiz. Ruiz showed his quality, and Usyk was a, was a great cruiserweight, but now we gotta see if he can carry the weight. To me, that's the top of the division. Ruiz bounce back from this black the moment. Ruiz is a natural fighter. He'll be able to fight. The question is, can he stay disciplined enough to give us the best version of him? He
2: is special. Absolute dynamite.
6: Obviously, a key person we haven't mentioned yet is Callum. Well, you mentioned him in terms of his power, but Callum Smith. What's next for him and is he going to get that Canelo fight? It's all
7: about Canelo, Canelo it, we can't force anyone to fight anyone. And um, from what I'm hearing, there's a short list and Callum as well as Billy Joe is on it. And um, the decision will be made by the second week of January. So everyone's just sitting, waiting to see what happens. And if we get the call up and we have to go to Vegas in May, we'll snap the hands off for it. Um, that's a fight that we want, and Callum wants to test himself against the best in the world. And everyone sees Callum uh, Canelo as the best in the world, whether it be a 168 or 175. Um, if that doesn't happen, then we'll have to look at most probably the winner, say Chavez Jacobs, so it will be a good fight for Callum. Um, yeah, and we'll see what happens from there.
6: With Callum being the consensus number one at super middleweight in the world, would you be aggrieved a little bit if someone like Saunders, for example, jumped the queue a little bit and got that fight? Um, no, really. It's down to Canelo at the end of the day. Um, it's up to him. I
7: don't think it's been a, a bit aggrieved if Billy Joe gets it. Great. Good luck to him. I, I wouldn't write Billy Joe off. He's got a good style. He's very slick. And you can't go off on people's past performances because maybe there's no fear factor there. But Billy Joe bang on uh, on his game is a problem for anyone in world boxing. And uh, yeah, if he gets it, I wish him all, all the all luck in the world. And uh, I wish we'd know before January so we could all, if, if it's either Russell or Billy Joe, whoever, it would be like a, an early Christmas present. But uh, yeah, whoever gets it, it's, uh, it's a Brit. And
6: uh, hopefully uh, Billy Joe will do a, do a job uh, with Canelo. Callum obviously retained his titles against John Ryder back in November. Dust has settled a bit now. Were you dismayed by the amount of people that felt Ryder had either won or didn't lose by the wide scores that were given? Were you a bit kind of, because you were in the corner, you see it up close. When you came out, did you think, well, no, Callum's well won it?
7: Yeah, well, I wouldn't say uh, well won it, but I thought Callum Smith had won. He'd hit the magic number seven. When I I, I analyze and go through a fight, I've not watched the fight back. I'm waiting for all the emotion and what I hear, what everyone says, and watch it without listening to Sky. Um, Callum came back to me at the end of round 10 and said, have you got it? I said, you're winning. He says, are you sure? He says, yeah. He says, Liam's just shouted, sky I've got it close. I went, take no heed of Sky and close. I'm telling you now, you've got this fight one. Well, don't get involved in a shootout out and stick to your boxing. And I can understand down the straight, the underdog and everything else, but you've got to look at the people around it who are saying it's close. They're all associated in some way or another with Matchroom or Matchroom Boxing Gym or Tony Sims or Darren Barker or, or Kevin Mitchell. So you can understand that, but um, I feel Terry O'Connor has took unnecessary stick. Um, I scored it 116-12 on the night, so we're talking one round out, so there was three judges on the side of the ring, all scored it their own way that they did, um, and they all saw it at the scene, it wasn't a 115-113 either way, and then a stupid 118-110, we're talking one round difference between two judges and Terry's, now people are saying, well if it was 115-113 it'd be okay, so we're talking... Well, them two judges got it wrong wrong by a round, and Terry's got it wrong by two rounds, and I just think he's been escaped, got a little bit much, and uh, I think it's unfair. The general consensus is Calm Smith won the fight, 115, 113. so the three judges were around and two rounds out. So it wasn't this huge, massive score in the Bay that everyone's on about. It was a great effort from John Ryder. Spoken to Tony Sims the other day, and, uh, yeah, if there's a rematch, there'll be a rematch, but that's down to uh,
6: what they do, what Canelo does, what everyone does. So uh, once we find out, we'll, we'll see. Could it be a blessing in disguise in that Canelo's team may have watched it, felt they've seen some chinks in the armour against Callum, who's looked so imperious before that, that maybe they'll actually take the fight? Yeah,
7: listen, it's funny how things are in the same way, most of us are looking at Billy Joe's last performance and thinking, well, we'll take Billy Joe. So, them things, and, but like you said, not everybody can be 100% all of the time. I mean, everyone has an off night. I'm not saying it was an off night. Calum Smith had eye damage uh, after six, his hand waiting round eight, but there's no excuses. Full credit to John Ryder and the team. Um, but yeah, sometimes it, need, it takes a, a bad performance to make other people take a,
6: take a chance. And just before I let you go, talk to us about your own promotional company and what your plans are, especially in 2020, for that.
7: Yeah, no, uh, we've got our third show, M22 Promotions. We've got uh, uh, Sam Hyde versus Dion Juma, English title, uh, Marcus Morrison on the bill, Mark Jeffers will be fighting for his first bill and some other kids. And um, there's a show then penciled in back end of March, what we're looking to do. And uh, the end-term goal, the long-term goal, like anything, um, just boxes ticked. I want to, especially being from Manchester, I'd love to promote a show at Manchester Arena. So uh, it's a long way to go. Everyone, even Robert Smith says what you're doing, you're mad. You never win, make money or anything else. But there's just little things. And for the likes of Sam Hyde and you see Eddie Hearn, the stable, how busy it is, it doesn't have room for everyone all the time. Jose Burton is a prime example of that.
6: Um, So sometimes you've got to uh, do stuff to help your fighters. Brilliant. Well, we wish you the very best of luck with M22, Joe, and and going forward on Saturday night as well. Cheers, thank thank you. Hi there, welcome to this week's edition of Seconds Out Reflections. We're here every Monday, 4.30pm, to review the boxing action of The Weekend Just Gone. And we're going to start in the mecca of boxing, certainly in the USA, Madison Square Garden in New York, where one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world, Terence Crawford, once again underlined his incredible talent. Going up against his mandatory challenger in, I'm going to try, uh, Egedegis Cavalioskis probably close. Um, Lithuanian, former Olympian, good fighter, earned his mandatory slot, but was expected to be outclassed. And Apart from a couple of good rounds early on, that's kind of how it turned out. He had some success in the early rounds, but that just seemed to annoy Crawford, who's obviously frustrated by not being able, so far at least, to fight some of the big names over on PBC. He's with top rank in ESPN, of course. so the likes of Errol Spence, Manny Pacquiao, Keith Thurman, something we talked about last week. Um, but he got Cavallioskis out of there, um, dropped him in the seventh and then finished him off in round nine. Looks as good as ever. Um, he's a very slick boxer, but also a really ruthless finisher. Um, and a hard battle for any other world's way out there. And we wait to see if one of those fights with one of the PBC guys can be made. Sean Porter was one that was talked about um, most recently. So maybe that could happen. We could compare Crawford's performance against Porter to Spence's most recently. And... Um, but what, the one we really want to see is obviously Crawford against Spence. We just hope that those guys can come together. I mean, it looks like, if it still happens, the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder rematch is going to be some sort of cooperation between top-rank and PBC. So if they can do it for that, maybe they can do it for the Welters as well, although there might not be as much money at stake. But we'll wait and see. Teofimo Lopez stole the show, though, on the undercard, um, destroying Richard Commie. Teak tough, previously, Richard Comey the Ghanaian. Um, in the second round, um, Lopez had talked a good game. He had a lot to back up, but he did it. They both threw right hands at roughly the same time in round two. Lopez's was just a bit faster and a bit more accurate. Exploded onto Comi, who went down. Um, was fortunate, in, in, a, in a sense, to be allowed to carry on, but that good fortune quickly <laughs> turned around when Lopez jumped on him and finished him off round two and we have a new um, lightweight world champion the IBF belt obviously on the line and now the one belt that so far at 135 pounds Vasiliy Lomachenko hasn't won Lopez like Lomachenko's with top rank we expect that to be the next one in 2020 and what a fight to say but you know Lomachenko will start as the favourite of course exemplary fighter one of the top pound for pound operators in the world but Lopez looked incredibly exciting and potent against Commie and no one's done that to Commie before, his previous defeats have been split decisions world, against world-class operators, and he looked unlucky in those fights as well. He was completely taken out by Lopez, and um, it could have been an aberration, we don't know what would have happened if the fight had gone beyond round two, but I think I don't think Lomachenko will be dispatched quite so easily, so we'll, we should get to see a bit more uh, of just how good Lopez is in that fight. Um, also on the show, we saw Michael Conlon, Mick Conlon, finally get his, Belated Rio revenge over Vladimir Nikitin, um, the guy who controversially, the Russian who controversially beat him in the Rio Olympics. Um, Conlon swept pretty much every round um, as a pro. Kind of felt a bit sorry for Nikitin at times. I mean, Conlon needed to get off his record and it's a fight that sells, but we've got to remember it was a 12-0 and pro against a 3-0 pro. Nikitin hasn't really had long to adjust to the programme yet. So it did seem a little bit unfair that he was being asked to compete on a level playing field with Conlon, who was as it proves streets ahead. Should also mention that was the biggest show of the weekend, but there was a couple of smaller shows out in the UK, one of which was the first four quarterfinals, or the only four quarterfinals, I should say, of the MTK Golden Contract Tournament at light heavyweight. It's the third of the three weight classes they're doing it in. Kind of like a mini world boxing super series, if you like, with kind of European and domestic class boxers rather than the top fighters in the world. And no less entertaining as a well, result, I must say. Um, Rikard Bolotniks, Latvian, coming off a great win in Russia over Sergei Ekimov, proved to be the revelation of the quarterfinals. Um, knocking out uh, Stephen Wald, who was one of uh, not the favourite for the tournament, but kind of fancied by a few. Unbeaten Stephen Wald, well, he's not unbeaten anymore. Got hammered, it's fair to say, by Bolotniks. Um, Wald now looking to perhaps move up to cruise weight. Liam Conroy also went through by virtue of a win over Andre Sterling. Sir Guy Michel, um, he went through two, beat uh, Brave Scotsman in Tommy Philbin. And the favourite, Hosea Burton, dropped uh, Bob Achesafe, both awkward rangy operators, but dropped Bob Achesafe early in their fight in the first round and then continued to outbox him for the remainder. So they're the four semi finalists. And we also saw Dan Aziz win the vacant English belt on the undercard uh, with a good win over Lawrence Osweke. Before I go, I should also mention Ultimate Boxer took place on Friday night at Planet Ice in Altringham. And Nick Webb, who's had a bit of an up and down career, came out on top and wins the money and the golden robe. So well done to him. Now what I wanna know from you guys is if Terence Crawford can't fight Errol Spence next, if politics get in the way, who else would you like to see him fight? And who's your performance of the weekend? I think Lopez is an obvious one, but I'd like to know what you think. Let me know in the comments below and I'll respond to some of the better ones. Um, I'll be back next Monday, of course, for Reflections, Monday 4.30pm, and I'll also be here for Flexpectations, looking ahead to the fight before Christmas, among other things, Thursday at 4.30pm with uh, Flexpectations. Always a pleasure, and I'll see you soon. Cheers.
5: I want to give you a couple more examples
2: of how styles do indeed make fights. Linear logic very often doesn't work in boxing. Just because fighter A beats fighter B and fighter B beats fighter C it doesn't necessarily mean that fighter C can't beat fighter A. So I've given one example many times and that is with Muhammad Ali in the 1970s. He lost to Joel Frazier right there and Ken Norton Right there. And Joe Frazier and Ken Norton were subsequently wiped out in two rounds, both of them, by George Foreman. So linear logic would dictate that if these two guys beat Ali and they were both wiped out in two rounds by George Foreman, then surely George Foreman is going to do a similar job on Ali and wipe him out too. But that's not what happened, of course, because Ali knocked out George Foreman in eight rounds. So that's a classic example of how styles make fights and linear logic often doesn't work in boxing. Sometimes it works, but when you're talking about the elite level, the top level, it very often doesn't work. Another example would be Roberto Duran. So he was one of the greatest lightweights of all time and just a great fighter in general. But he did get beaten decisively a few times. And one of those times was against Tommy Hearns in 1984. At light middleweight, he was knocked out in just 2 rounds Destroyed by Tommy Hearns The guy just walked through him Down in the first round And laid out in the second round Now Tommy Hearns Would go on to fight Iran Barkley Just find a fight here Where's the first Barkley fight? Okay here it is So Tommy Hearns went on to fight Iran Barkley Aaron Barkley knocked him out in three rounds. Later on in his career, he would lose to Aaron Barkley again on a decision. But in 88, he lost to Barkley in three rounds. So linear logic would dictate that since Tommy Hearns destroyed Duran and Barkley knocked out uh, Tommy Hearns, Barkley should be able to beat Duran as well, right? Linear logic. Especially given the fact that Barkley was a huge middleweight. six-one, big puncher. I mean, he finished up his career at heavyweight just to give you an indication of how big Iran Barkley was. Roberto Duran was really a blown-up lightweight. So again, linear logic would have you believe that Iran Barkley should be able to deal with Roberto Duran easy. But that's not what happened because Roberto Duran fought Iran Barkley in a remarkable fight for the middleweight title and Roberto Duran beat him. <laughs> Roberto Duran beat Aaron Barkley. He jumped up to middleweight again. Well, I mean, his weight was all over the place, to be fair, Roberto Duran. Uh, But he was at his best, really, at lightweight. Jumps up to middleweight, and he's way, way up there in age by this time. Roberto Duran must have been 36, 37 by the time he fought Aaron Barkley. And as I say, Barkley, a huge middleweight. Duran goes in there and beats him. So linear logic didn't work there, did it? Jerem was supposed to lose. This old guy, blown up lightweight, going in there against the guy who'd knocked out someone in Tommy Hearns who'd wiped him out in two rounds. He was supposed to lose the fight. He went in there and won it. Another example of how linear logic often doesn't work in boxing at the top level, of how styles really do make fights, would be Shea Mosley. So Shane Mosley at one stage of his career was regarded as the best fighter pound for pound in all the boxing publications or what have you. But then he fought a guy called Vernon Forrest. Rest in peace. Forrest ended up schooling Shane Mosley over 12 rounds. That was a big shock at the time, what Vernon Forrest did to Shane Mosley. They had the rematch uh, later the same year. Same thing again. I mean, it was a closer fight, but Vernon Forrest still won clearly. Vernon Forrest then ended up fighting a guy called Ricardo Mayorga, Crazy Nicaraguan. Nobody had heard of Mayorga prior to this. I certainly hadn't heard of him before. Mayorga comes in and steamrolls Vernon Forrest. Steamrolls him. I mean, this guy was a cigarette smoking, you know, rum drinking, foul mouthed, Nicaraguan, tough guy who was always talking about his street fights and what have you had very little boxing technique, could just come out swinging and trying to bulldoze opponents. And he managed to take out Vernon Forrest, who was a very, very, you know, slick and well-schooled boxer. Big, tall guy for the weight. Mayoga just came in and steamrolled him. They rematched later on the same year. Mayoga beat him again. So linear logic would dictate that if... Vernon Forrest schooled Shane Mosley and then Ricardo Mayorga beat Vernon Forrest, well then, Ricardo Mayorga must also be able to beat Shane Mosley, right? That's linear logic. But of course, that's not what happened because when he did fight Shane Mosley, fought him a couple times, well, you see what happened there. Knocked out in the 12th, knocked out in the 6th. (laughs) Linear logic very often doesn't work at the top level in boxing. Styles make fights, which is why it's so important that we put pressure on fighters to fight a variety of opponents. Not just stick with one particular opponent and have them rematching them over and over again. For example, like with Pacquiao and Marquez. You know how many times Bob Aram tried to sell us that fight over and over? Yeah, sometimes trilogies and, and, and what have you can be good at the right time, but... Sometimes it's a case of fighters understanding that if they go out there and take on all comers, they're going to stand a much greater chance of losing. So they'll stick to what they know. You know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. But for us fans, we're really being, you know, done a disservice when fighters do stuff like that. So we need to put pressure on fighters to fight a variety of different contenders. That's how you get the most entertainment, a variety of different styles. And let's not buy into the myth, because I've learned over the years the hard way about this myth. Let's not buy into the myth of the invincible fighter. There's no such thing. I've done a separate video about it, where I got burned several times in the 1990s and early 2000s, believing in certain fighters, thinking they were invincible. Because that's what the press was saying about certain fighters like Mike Tyson and Roy Jones in his prime. The press was saying they were invincible. You know, me as a young boxing fan looking at the stuff they were doing in the ring, how they were dominating you know, good fighters in the case of Mike Tyson and great fighters in the case of Roy Jones. You know, Jones was dominating people like Bernard Hopkins, James Tony, you know, Mike McCallum, Virgil Hill, Mike Tyson, you know, beating good fighters that are around during his day. So when... The pair of them lost after being so dominant. It was a massive shock. I thought that they were invincible. Roy Jones was called Superman at the time. He was the Superman before Adonis Stevenson. It it turned my boxing world upside down. And it took four of those major upsets. Tyson being knocked out by Douglas. Tyson being stopped by Holyfield. And, uh well, I want to say four, three really, Roy Jones getting knocked out by Antonio Tava. Those occasions right there just shocked me to my boots. <laughs> shocked me to my boot. I, I couldn't believe it. But it was particularly after Jones was knocked out by Tava in two rounds. That was the last time that I ever bought into this myth that a fighter was invincible, you know? So let's not buy into their myths, people. Because once you buy into that myth, people can start making the argument, well, uh, he doesn't need to go and fight that contender. That's not going to be competitive. Yeah, I don't care if he's got a style that he's never faced before, but he's obviously going to beat him. You know, we, we can't allow ourselves to fall into that trap. We must demand that fighters face all the top contenders out there if they're champions. Let's fight all the top contenders, man. A variety of different styles and abilities different type of personalities and characters so we can actually see who the best really is rather than allowing people to cherry pick their way through their career picking styles that suit them and avoiding styles that don't yeah you know, we can't allow champions to get away with that styles make fights let me know what you guys think in the comment section below this happening, i'm out join me on patreon i upload a minimum of two podcasts every single week covering a wide variety of controversial topics as well as live stream q a sessions take a look on screen right now at some of the podcasts i've produced so far for just three dollars a month the equivalent of about two pounds a month you get access to all my new podcasts and my entire back catalog of past podcasts including my popular confessions of a nightclub bouncer series You can listen on your computer or on your smartphone or tablet by downloading the Patreon app from the Google Play Store or the App Store for free. The Patreon app also allows you to download each podcast in MP3. For less than the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to dozens of hours of exclusive content. It's easy to sign up, there's no contract and you can cancel at any time. So come and join our community of free and critical thinkers by signing up with me here on Patreon today.